They say family is what the Thanksgiving holiday is all about. And they also say that you can't pick your family. But in the world of professional wrestling, the booker and the and the promoters certainly can, and they have over the course of wrestling history, as we present to you this week, all in the kayfabe family, discussing fictional wrestling family relations in the world of professional wrestling over the course of history. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, joining me this week to, uh, to, to talk about some of the more infamous family relations Relations, or should I say, kayfabe family relations in the world of pro wrestling, is my my shoot brother, not my kayfabe mm-hmm. brother, my shoot brother, Justin. What's going on, man? Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Living the dream. That's right. LTD in it. You're LTD in it. So am I here, as I do every single week on kicking out it too with all of you. And uh, you know, come LTD it with us every single week by hitting us up on our social medias, Facebook and Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too, and our Twitter handle at kicking out too. Uh, hit the like on Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter. Links to archive shows, videos, debates, discussions, memes, gifs, articles, all kinds of great stuff on both of our social medias so hit us up be you know be a follower on twitter and like us on facebook as well as the retromania pro wrestling podcast network where you can find all of these great shows of kicking out at two as well as hulkamania is dead gaijin wrestling radio marking out the day's weekend warriors origins of attitude another great bonus content you can find over there search retromania with a w you can find all these great shows you can find us on google play spotify spreaker stitcher apple podcast and any other podcast platform available all right um this week with uh, thanksgiving being uh, you know on the horizon by the time some of you listen to this you may have already broken bread with some of your family members but come break bread with us as we talk about the kayfabe family relations in the world of professional wrestling fictional storyline relatives cousins brothers sisters uncles you name it we're going to cover some of the more infamous ones were some of these uh, fictional uh, family members believable did you look at them at first glance and say yeah i could believe that they were related or did you call bullshit immediately we're going to talk about all that and then some um all right let's get into it we got a list of uh, a number of these uh fictional wrestling pairings here um but the first uh, thing i want to ask you what have been some give me a general blanket response to your first impressions of some of these kayfabe family pairings um i mean i feel like there's always just that you know at least when you're watching on TV there's there's a common thread there's a there's a story um, there's a connection um, that they usually especially in the early days would explain very quickly as to how and why these guys are linked up um, you know just by standing next to someone you know especially in the early days you're dressed up in similar outfits as a team um, you could almost just buy into that right away is all oh, these guys are brothers all oh, these guys are sisters so you know the old the older manager you know managing someone oh that's that's their dad or whoever but um, you know it would always get embellished you know in commentary and that's usually the place where you found out you know the relationships between you know certain wrestlers that were on screen um, you know family okay all right. Now, another question I want to ask you: um, Why do you feel like they decide to, let's say, for instance, they decide to pair two random guys together and and make them family, whether it's a tag team or like they're associated within like a stable or a faction? Do you think it's because they don't feel like that there's anything for them individually, and they feel let's just pair them up and see what happens, or do you think that there's some sort of long term vision um, over the course of? Uh, their, their characters' trajectories together as, like, related brothers um, or cousins or I feel like I feel like in, like, the tag team realm, like, they look at... They, like, they combine like terms. You see guys that look very similar in body makeup, their, their frame, their, just how they look. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you, you, you throw on the same, you know, gear, and they're one and the same. So I feel like they, you know, you look at people that are, again... They look very similar, and that's the first thing you're going to ask, even when you see people walking down the street that look alike, that are side by side, you know, or if they're related. So I think they kind of go on that basic instinct when they when they pair guys together that may not be related to each other in real life. Okay, all right. Um, let's get into a few of these. Um, we're gonna we're we're gonna come in hot here with one that's probably one of the more um, controversial. Um, 
kayfabe family relations. Uh, this one didn't last very long, um, as a matter of fact. This one was like a fart in church, and they realized pretty quickly they had to pull the eject button. I'm talking about... Um, when the Giant made his debut in WCW as a member of the Dungeon of Doom, but he was also referred to as the son of Andre the Giant. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that. I think that like kind of added like a mystique to the Giant. Um, you know, I was sparingly watching WCW at this time, and you know, up until here, Hogan was kind of reigniting old feuds, Ric Flair, and you know, the like. Nothing really, anything interesting. And the, this huge sob in the giant, just a big dude. There hadn't, you know, I think it was quite obvious there hadn't been anyone of that physical size since Andre the Giant. You could make that connection just by looking at the guy. And then, of course, you throw the one strap tights on, and you're you're like, okay, like without even mentioning that that relation, you you're, you're they're already implying something, or and it already it already kind of creeps into your head. So I think given Hulk Hogan's connection with Andre the Giant throughout his career, um, it made sense. It, 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 and I think it added some personal quality to why would this giant guy be going, coming after Hulk Hogan? You know, what did Hulk Hogan do to this, this relative newcomer to, to have him be such an angry man? You know, at least you know, seven, six, seven years old at the time. That's kind of what you're thinking. And I think, again, it added this mystique to him to me, like he's Andre's son. Like now, just, do, you, do you feel because of the, the added factor of, of making him Andre's son that it, like, pigeon-held him in, in a way where he had something to live up to that he might not have been able to live up to? Because I feel like... I liked it. I thought it made sense, and I was like, ooh, they're going to recreate the Hogan-Andre you know, feud because I grew up Hogan and Andre. That was like the big thing for me as a kid. That was the reason why I, I watched WrestleMania III. Um, but a lot of people look at it as very like hokey and, and, and over the top. Like, Do you think that because of the association with Andre, that's why people didn't like it? Um, no, I think, I think it, it, it kind of fell off with... Everything else that was poorly executed, the monster trucks, you know, the, the threesome with the Yeti. The Yeti! And, and, you know, with Hulk Hogan in the <laughs> middle the of that sandwich action. Um, I don't know. I just, it, I don't, I mean, the Dungeon of Doom was freaking hokey. Like, it was it was silly, and you, you knew even then it was it was silly. And, yeah, he was certainly, like, a, a keystone player in that stable. But if that's the case, then what did it matter if he was Andre the Giant's kid or not, I guess. Okay. Um... But I don't think I don't think it was like a standard at all. I, like I, maybe I would have thought that way now, but as a kid, it, it was just it was just another layer to him. Yeah. Very early on, because you didn't know much about him. So was it so was it believable that he could have been hundred percent? In fact, son? I think I believed it for a very long time. Okay. All right. Yeah. Probably you know till maybe almost his end of this WCW run did I believe he was Andre the Giant's son, or maybe you told me at some point along the way. But I when it was said, I was like. My God, of course. Like there could only there would be no reason for any human to be that size if they were not related to Andre the Giant. That's you know what I mean? That's the way you kind of associated it. Like I said, he was the biggest guy I'd ever seen other than Andre the Giant. They must be related. Okay. Um let's stay within the Dungeon of Doom realm a little bit here. Uh that timeline, that time frame. Uh Kevin Sullivan and his brother Evad Sullivan. Is that Dave Sullivan? Yes. Yeah. Um, Evad is Dave and yeah, like yeah, I think it's like yin and yin and yang. Like Kevin is just the evil, corrupt, mischievous, you know, taskmaster that he was, right? And I yeah. think Dave was like the lovable loser. And I think that you know there are there are brother dynamics that have that where one is an asshole and one everybody loves. Yeah. Um. So I think that's you know. For the most part, they were kind of relatively separate until the the Dungeon of Doom kind of started forming. So, like, you could you could do away with not with them not being brought like acknowledging their relationship, but they were both on separate sides of things. Like they weren't involved in stuff. So I thought it, I mean I don't know I didn't I didn't hate it. Like I mean Dave Sullivan was just a, was a jobber that pe- he was like George the Animal Steel, but like not as not really a star though. Like George the yeah. Animal Steel was a star. Like, yeah, Dave Sullivan was like. Like the like he was like the poor man's George Steele. Did George Steele? Yeah, I look at yeah. 
that's a good way of putting it. I also look at him like it's like a poor man hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, like uh, I remember the my more vivid memory of Dave Sullivan was his angle with DDP and Kimberly. Again, they basically ripped off Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth with Dave Sullivan. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, um, which is fine. Whatever, everything recycles itself. Um, you know, so it, it was something. It made him interesting. And again, he was a lovable loser. So you and DDP was, you know. You know, he was not the diamond exchange at this point, but he was, he had everything. He had the girl, he had the jewelry, he had the, Kimberly like, obviously won, Kimberly big cigar. Yeah, like, they were, like, he, so he was, he was just hateable on all fronts, and, you yeah. know, he's this bully to this very likable guy, this, you know, dopey guy. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, you know, I didn't know much about the Dave Sullivan character, um, and, you know, I knew who Kevin Sullivan was from his time in the Varsity Club, um, but as a kid, I didn't know that he had a brother. So I believed that they were brothers because they had a similar look with the blonde hair, similar build, even though Dave was a little bigger. Yeah. So even as a kid, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Sullivan's got a brother. So to me, like just on paper, from cosmetic purposes, I believe that they were related. Yeah. 100%. Could, I feel like especially now that you put it that way, like there was a little bit of a size difference. Like, I mean, just knowing those two characters, those two personalities on TV, like that's like a perfect like of mice and men dynamic. Like the asshole, yes. the asshole brother who yes. who's protecting his little his little or big brother. Yes, who is just kind of dopey and you know he loves of... the rabbits and all that. You know what I mean? And, like, he, and, and he, uh, you bring up the rabbits. The rabbit was a big part of the storyline with Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, that's right. And then eventually DDP cooked the rabbit yeah. and made rabbit stew. So I'm sure that was an inspiration for the character itself. But, is, but you look at the opposite side with his brother Kevin, who is just this mean son of a bitch, and you look at George and Devilish Mice Mind and Game from Kevin Sullivan, baby. Like that, baby, yeah. Like, rose with like, yeah, you would think Kevin Sullivan is like the George. Like, I'm surprised they didn't kind of use that, that pairing for that in a more serious way, not yeah. in a stupid way, because yeah. there was some... Not you know, coming out in fucking overalls and yeah, coveralls. Like, you a, could add some a heart to, a, a, leash, to a, yeah. a dynamic like that where you could actually probably get a lot out of Kevin Sullivan because he was, you know, very underrated. Oh, absolutely, as a, as, a, as, a, as a heel. Yeah, for sh- you, for could sure. pull, you could pull something out of him that's more sympathetic if you see him kind of being the, the tough-loving, aiding brother to this just-can't-get-out-of-his-own-way, dopey-two-left-feet, you know, Dave Sullivan. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would have been cool to see. But, yeah, that's I mean, that's how I look at that relationship, at least. Yeah. Another controversial family pairing. I'm, I don't know how much knowledge you have of this, but I had only had... I was only aware of this after watching the world-class DVD that WWE put out a number of years ago was the Lance Von Erich connection to the Von Erich family. The original Von Erich family, of course, you had Kerry Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, David Von Erich, Mike, and Chris Von Erich. And unfortunately, we all know the story about the the Von Erich um, you know, family tragedies that have taken place over the years with a number of them dying very prematurely. Um, and this was an attempt at the time in the later years of world class after the the, the the peak years of trying to recreate that Von Erich dynasty with the Lance Von Erich character and how he was um, portrayed as like a cousin of the other brother yeah, Von Erich. Waldo Erick's Von Erich's son. Son, correct. They said. Um, and it would turn out that, you know, the audience at least according to a lot of stories I've heard, the audience in Texas would call bullshit on it because they because those boys were so... They were the local hometown heroes yeah. in Texas. Everybody knew that there was five Von Erich kids and that was the Von Erich family. That this, this Lance Von Erich shows up and, you know, he's, he's touted as a cousin, but... He doesn't nearly have as much of athletic ability as the other Von Erich boys, and he, he they could just tell right away. Give me your thoughts a little bit on that whole Lance Von Erich dynamic with uh, with with the rest of the Von Erich crew. Um, yeah, well, well before my time, but uh, you know everything that I understand about it, you know, 30, 35 years later, um, I think you know that I think that goes to the, again, like you said, the lack of skills of a of a what was his name again. He was. He went by Lance Von. Lance Eric. Von Eric. Yeah. yeah. Son of Waldo. Yeah. Brother. I, of, I, brother of Fritz. I yeah. Believe. I don't. I don't. Um. I just think that there was just a lack of authenticity that was just bled through because of the lack of skills. Mm-hmm. Like if you know those guys were all square peg in a round hole kind of thing. Yeah. Like they just tried to make something work, and just by trying, you could tell that it wasn't legit. Yeah. And I think that's why people shit all over it. And I think, you know, from what history is, how it, history speaks on it now, it it really you know. 
broke the distrust, the trust that the that they the Von Erich family had with the audience. They were very they were very turned off by this this you know this uh, deceptive tactic to really try to put over a wrestler, you know. And I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't have much more to say on it because yeah. I wasn't around. But I, you know, it's just another case of trying to do something that's just blatantly not legitimate that I think hurts. Do you think you would have believed it back then if you watched? Or do you think well, I mean, knowing... It depends on how old I was, I guess. Yeah. How old I'd be at the time. If I was younger, I probably would, sure. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't probably see the nuances of things that were, you know, blatantly obvious to a, a, sm- a smarter audience. So I probably would have believed it. And yeah. then I would have probably found out a few years later, and then I would have probably been like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Um, but yeah, apparently it didn't work out. And, you know, we had, that guy's, you know career hasn't really recovered since. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what he does or anything after that. I mean, he yeah. could probably be on a star cast now as Lance Von Eric and, you know, have a nice panel with Conrad. I'm sure but Tom you know, McGee made a, made a nice yeah, payday. You know, I'm sure, you know? I'm sure Conrad's, you know, he's, he's dug into the well of obscure wrestling oh, yeah. references. And I mean, he, we're getting, you know, fucking RoboCop. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> like, black, red, white, and blue sting yeah. and things the like ding that. Dongs, I'm yeah, sure it's like, only a matter of time before they do a, a star cast in Texas where Lance Von Eric appears and oh yeah you know gets a like i said gets a panel of angry von eric fans for sure i, I can see that a, well, lance, I, a lance and kevin von eric well hold on though and i, I guess we'll kind of expand on this more and I, so we i went and i think I, I brought it back to you when i came back from wrestlemania in dallas i was in wrestlemania in dallas and you know those old uh those like newspaper vending machines that you'd see on the corners yes i was walking through dallas during wrestlemania week wrestlemania 32 and you know to show you how big of a deal the von erics still are in one of the in the newspaper in the vending machine that was free, I didn't. I don't think I had to. Maybe I put a corner. But anyways, I pulled the front page was about had the Von Erichs on the front of it and how WWE was returning to to Dallas, Texas for this monumental WrestleMania that was breaking records. And I, I want to say that there was a shot of a or a bunch of Von Erichs. And again, that just shows you the staying power of that name in that area. Yeah. Where that if you're not that guy, if you're not that a part of that family, you know. Your, your persona non grata. So well, re- recently, MLW uh, put a show, uh, put out a show in Texas in the Dallas area, and um, they they sold out. I mean, it was in a smaller venue. I think it probably sat maybe about a thousand people right. at the most. Um, but they sold out pretty quickly because they advertised um, the uh, the Von Erich boys, uh, yeah. Marshall and Ross, who were the sons of of Kevin, Kevin Von Erich. Kevin's kids, and yeah. Kevin was there, and it was a they were they did I think like a war game style match. Um, and the reports I heard was um, also on that card, um, Court Bauer, who's the founder and owner of MLW, uh, he was also, um, Gary Hart was his mentor, and Gary Hart helped him in the early days of MLW. Right, so there before, was like an early iteration of it before Gary Hart passed away. Yeah, yeah. and so um, they did a video package and video tribute to uh, Gary Hart, and Gary Hart's son was there in attendance, and there was a big turnout um, and a lot of fans, from reports I've read, were a lot of the older world-class fans that actually came yeah. to see the young Von Erich boys. And even after the um, the show had ended, there were a lot of female fans who were there to try and take pictures with the two Von That's Erich so boys. Cool. And it goes back to how the female fans used to yeah. react to the Von Erichs. And cool. like, so like when I heard about that, I was like, that to me was the first time that like I really like even today in 2019, like I was taken aback that like that name still holds weight in that area yeah. of Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the wrestling community. Like Absolutely. it's like it's huge. Like like it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if like an AEW or a WWE in the next couple of years snatches those two guys up oh, and, yeah. and and they make a run in Texas and like they get a good a good turnout of people that want to see these two boys wrestle because that's how important they were yeah. to that community. And, 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 and to touch back on the, the the trip to Dallas that year, when we landed, we had bought tickets to go see an NBA game at the uh, American Airlines Arena. Uh, Dallas Mavericks against my favorite team, the New York Knicks. And we were up there pretty high. We're watching the game, and I think, you know, one of us or all of us are wearing wrestling gear, and uh, uh, a gentleman with his family, he has a southern accent. Um, it sounds like he, it sounded like he was from Texas, and he, he, you know, saw us, and he asked us if we were going to the show. And I was like, yeah, we are. We're going to be here all week, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he had mentioned that, yeah, I used to watch the Von Erics. You know, I don't, you know, I, I don't know when he stopped, but he said, yeah, he hadn't watched wrestling in years, but that was his time frame as a fan watching the Von Erichs. So yeah. again, that's a powerful thing that, like you said, it's clearly translated and it's 
carried over and that's really cool to hear that and they they brought the history back too from the report i read that like the 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 von eric boys and 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 their father kevin they cut a promo on the land where the old sportatorium used to be so So it's like an open grassy field yeah and they actually like cut this promo on the land like talking about their return to dallas and like coming home like they like court bauer like he really he really made a big production out of it and like i I have to go back and find the show it's on youtube you you might be able to find it but man yeah. Like it was just like when I read all the reports, I was like, "Holy cow!" But like, yeah, we kind of went a little bit off the beaten path when it comes to the 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 Von Eric Lance Von Eric kind of connection here. But yeah, the the Von Eric name it holds so much weight even in 2019 Hell that yeah. back then I could understand why oh they called God, bullshit yeah. with Lance Von Eric yeah. not being a member For of the family. Sure. And it was also the first time, too, to my recollection, that that the promotion itself really blurred the lines where like. They they told you like they apologized to the fans yeah. for believe for for trying to get them to believe that he was a family member. Like people say, oh Paul Heyman did it first, but Ooh. Fritz and those boys in Dallas were one of the yeah. very first to really blur the lines. And if something happened, they told you about it. Yeah. You know what I he mean? He probably like, like knocked some chick up thinking she was gonna buy into this royalty, <laughs> and then she was like, "Honey, I got bad news for you. You <laughs> you're yeah. not you're, you're not coming to the." Thanksgiving at yeah. the Von Eric's. Yeah, you're not, to, yeah, there's no seat at the table yeah, for you. We're yeah, we're going somewhere else for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go. Let, let's move on here. Um, keep with the Texas theme here. Let's transition. Uh, the Blackjacks, the new Blackjacks from 1997 in the WWF were uh, Blackjack Bradshaw and Blackjack Wyndham. And it was a homage, clearly, to the original Blackjacks with Blackjack Lanza and Blackjack Mulligan from the 70s. Um, but I didn't know this until recently, after listening to uh, one of our favorite podcasts, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. They had promoted Barry Windham and Bradshaw as cousins on television. You know, I don't think I recall that either. But okay. you know what? For what that's worth, I think, you know, the... That was like one of those things that they used to do back with like it was like a it was like a history lesson for me. Like I knew who Jack Lanza was because he was kind of just a person in WWE, like you know, used to break ring up the fights at ringside. Yeah, yeah, like I knew who he was and Him he was and Tony this, Korea. Yeah, this famous legendary wrestler in the Blackjacks and like, you know, when they reintroduced the tag team, it was kinda like that like it was like it was cool. I think it added some some, you know, some care behind this new version of it. Because mm-hmm. I knew I heard about who Blackjack Mulligan was and how Wyndham was his son, Barry Wyndham. So it was, yeah, no, I, again, I think a perfect, at least at the time, a perfect execution of, of kind of dusting off the, the boots and, and putting them on somebody else and, 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 let, and using that to get him over. I thought, I thought it worked as a young kid. I know it didn't really last very long. It didn't last very long. I no, it did. Two good wrestlers to fit that, to fit those roles. Too. I mean, Wyndham with the Texas connection, the black, his father being a former blackjack and Bradshaw was younger at the time. So they obviously had, they had ideas and plans for, for Bradshaw, um, to, to eventually be out on his own. But, um, why, why do you think it, I mean, you say it worked, but in retrospect, you look back and, I feel like it didn't work. Why do you... Well, I say it worked because from, from this perspective, when it was introduced as a fan, like, that was the hook. And yeah. it got me like, oh, okay, like, I can get behind these guys because they're, you know, carrying on this tradition, if you will. It didn't work or it didn't really resonate after that, I think, because just the time and the business was changing where, yeah. like, like you were kind of saying, like, guys like Paul Heyman are like, nope, these guys are brothers. Like, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they hate each other. Oh, they're even friends. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they ride on the, in the car, same car together, but like they, they, uh, the business was just changing and more of the curtain was getting peeled back. And, you know, they were kind of realizing like, all right, you can't, we can't free willingly use this technique or this mechanism to get talent over with by, by, associating them with family names yeah it started to become less and less of a thing around this time and it started to evolve out of that yeah um and i think it was just the time and place when this was introduced was during that time of change yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good way of looking at it um Couple more cowboys here. Uh, two guys you're probably very familiar with during an era of wrestling that was probably like at the height of your fan. I wouldn't say at the height of your fandom, but like when you your your earliest recollections, um, uh, early '90s WWF, the Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart. They were brothers. Yeah, brothers, quote unquote. Yeah, they they they, they, they missed me. Man. Really? I thought you would have known that for sure. Nah, I, I honestly never yeah. never knew that they were billed as brothers. They were to Billy me, and were, Bart Gun. They were. 
And I guess, yeah, if you think about it like that, yeah. The smoking guns, I guess. But, you know, as a kid, I didn't really, like... I guess their brother, their brotherhood, if you will, was never kind of, like, used in a storyline. Not until the very end when they split them up. Yeah, but I don't know. At least as I recall, like, I wasn't, like, thinking that, like, oh, my God, their brothers are splitting up. It's like, oh, my God, they're a tag team. I don't know. I I feel like I looked at them as they weren't a... They were a team more than they were siblings? Yeah, exactly. Like, their, 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 their family relationship, as you put it, clearly wasn't on the forefront of my understanding because I don't like I said I feel like I'm hearing this for the first time so I really like that's was, saying I, I would have thought for sure they you were would've... more they were more of a team to me at least because I don't recall ever hearing that they were brothers but I guess having <laughs> having the same last name would make them brothers for sure so that's, that's crazy I really thought silly. that you would have known that ah, uh, that's funny and, and, now on, keeping up with the the smoking guns here um, do you think I mean I felt like they were an underrated tag team during a time period, at least in the WWF, where tag teams there was not a lot of focus on them. Uh, do you think that they're that they came up during the wrong time period in in wrestling as a team? Yeah, I feel like if they were like late nineteen eighties, they would have been fucking stars and like yeah. Jim Crockett or something. You know, yeah. they would have been a, their their gimmick would have probably been toned down to a more relaxed version of Cowboys. But I think when you look at a guy like Magnum TA, he's gonna say yeah, like mold, a Magnum TA, yeah, um, where it's. It's it's southern. It's it's tough guy. It's you know pickup truck, but it's not you know like it could. I think it it, yeah wrong time for that was towards the tail end of occupations and and things like that. It could have definitely worked ten years earlier. Three different family pairings. I'm just gonna kind of throw out it. Yeah, give me your thoughts on each of them and uh, if they were believable to you as um, as, as as related um, family members on on television. The Bushwhackers, who were cousins, the Godwins, Henry and Phineas, and the Beverly Brothers. Bushwhackers, yeah. I mean that one. Very like terms. I mean, they did everything. They were pretty much mirror images of themselves for the most part. Not necessarily. I mean, in look, but in just mannerisms, their characters. They were just. They were one and the same. You know, they're inner. As far as I'm, I was concerned, they were interchangeable. Um, but at the same time, you never had one without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, the Godwins, more more my time. Um, they were brothers, right? Or were they like cousins? I think they were like cousins. Um. I feel like we were talking about that of mice and men type. Another like Henry's that asshole. I know we'll say racist Southern <laughs> piece of shit brother, and Phineas was the was the one everybody liked and felt bad for, and he was you know unassuming. Um, so there was a contrast in their characters that they they played off with each other. Um, that I thought had. That was something in terms of believable. Yeah, like when you see brothers fighting, like they were, you know, Henry would be pissed at Phineas for, you know, losing or, you know, keeping his eyes too long on Sonny back when that when that was kind of a thing. Like, hey, get, come on, boy, get your eyes off. Like, yeah. come on, like stuff like that. Uh, the Beverly Brothers, honestly, I, you can probably, you, you know, I'll give you the floor for that one because I don't really have too much on the Beverly Brothers. I didn't know what to make of them when, when they came into the scene in the WWF. I really didn't. Um, they... They, on one instance, they, 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 they identified them as obviously brothers, but like they were like you know, in a way like snobs, but they wore this really funky ring gear, like they were like privileged, you know, but they would come out with these like intergalactic like you know purple and silver like outfits, yeah. and it just didn't really like I didn't get what they were. Even as a kid, I was like, "What are the Beverly Brothers?" You know what right, I mean? right. Um, so, the, I I can't really say whether like because I didn't really identify with them, so I really can't say whether they were to me like yeah. I mean, I know, know like believable I, like, as a pairing, but like you know, as as brothers, so to speak. Yeah, I feel like as characters, like they're visually and aesthetically like I they grab your eye. With the but, color schemes, yeah, and like everything about them—the blonde hair, the tan, yeah. everything, the, the the whole setup. But like the like, but what were they? Yeah, what were they? What did they stand for? Yeah, you put a microphone in front of them. What were they about? And then you know, I, as wise men have said before us, you know, the bell has to ring. So what was happening after that? You know, yeah, didn't really. I think they just kind of, I mean, they they lasted a while in wrestling in general. So good for them, but eh, it didn't really, like you said, they don't have a distinct. Uh, they don't have a page in the in the chapters of wrestling. At one like, point, you know they were I mean? the dis- they were the destruction crew in the AWA before their time in the WWF, right, right, right. and they kind of had like you know a, a 
a construction worker type of look to yeah, them. Like yeah. there was, you know, the, 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 the leftovers of the village people, so right, to speak. Right. Um, you know, but, they were you know, extras the only, in the pile driver music video. Exactly, yeah. But the only the only real page in wrestling history that 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 they belong on, or at least one of them does, is Mike Enos uh, when uh, Scott Hall made his debut in WCW, right. yeah. part of the NWO. He was known as the Mole. What the hell is yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a good Larry Zabisco. I like that. That was a <laughs> what's with that? <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, here's here's two brothers, and this was in later years where that, that I totally called bullshit on. Um, but they but they really tried hard to make you believe that they were brothers, especially identical brothers. Was the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny? Oh yeah. In in two thousand and four. Um, Give me your thoughts on that's a perfect example. That like to me, they were a throwback for the time because when they came in in like the mid two thousands, like there wasn't like tag teams were a little more distinguishable. Mm -hmm. You just came off the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, you know, the New Age Outlaws, these characters. Yeah, all of them, and they all ended up doing great things. You know, after their primes as teams, Um, and then they kind of brought it back to the to the eighties and nineties with uh, again combining like terms. Two bald guys, they're jacked up, they they wrestle, they're they kind of are in sync with each other. Like again, they're just like the very fundamental approach to putting two guys together and finding a gimmick. We'll just make them brothers. Because yeah. they look, you know, to the to the naked eye, the first blank stare, they look they look exactly the same. So in that sense, you know, the old the old uh the old you know twin magic, I think they probably pulled that maybe Oh, a number time of times. or two. Was, yeah. yeah, so that was in there. Yeah, playbook. exactly. That's yeah. That's and that that worked. So I, you know, that's that's a very go to the well type move to make them a team. That they weren't really memorable. I liked them in their the cabinet. You know, with, with JBL. JBL yeah. You know, I thought they were they were just good fodder for to that JBL could throw at a, yeah. at a baby face. I thought that um, was a good role for them. Yeah. yeah. Outside of that, eh. the stuff with uh, what's her face? Um, what was she? Uh, she was on Tough Enough. Her real name was Linda, Linda Miles, but who did they call her? Oh, Shaniqua. Yeah. And she had, like, the dominatrix thing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they were, like, her her submissive little, yeah, you know, that's just man boys. Silly. Yeah, like, that was, yeah, that was a little... I mean, that was their attempt at attitude. Yeah. You yeah, know, a, they try to keep that going a little bit, and you see them do that every yeah, once in a while now. The, the well ran dry on the attitude when yeah. it came to the two of them. Um, all right, so here, I got an interesting question for you. We'll take a little sidebar here. Uh, Discussing some of these uh, kayfabe uh, re- relations. Um, let me ask you: Were there any pairings of guys that you thought could be related on TV that you could envision seeing paired together but weren't? Hmm. And these that you're talking about, an like guys that like didn't they didn't have any um, they didn't cross paths whether it was together or on opposing sides, that you thought you could have looked at them and said, what if they made those two brothers or cousins? Or, you know, what if they were somehow family members? Um, I do recall very, very early into Chris Jericho showing up to WWF. Like, the long hair. Edge and Christian were kind of around. Knowing Chris Jericho's from Canada. Edge and Christian are from Canada. Like, you could do, uh, I don't know if you tied it into the hearts or you tied it into, like, just them being Canadian. Like, a background of sorts where maybe they were brothers or maybe cousins or they knew each other from a past life. Um, You could build, like, again, like, the the 80s rock and roll hair hair look was kind of in vogue in that time of wrestling, uh, ironically enough, that I think it, yeah, it could have... that would probably be the first one that comes to mind. I mean, as quickly as I thought that, that's when Edge and Christian took off as a tag team. So, yeah, that would probably be the, fir- what, the first one that comes to mind. I'd have to think a little harder about other instances where I could think of, you know, s- duos that never were to be. But, yeah. This may sound silly, yeah. but when I was younger, I thought every wrestler that wore cowboy boot wrestling boots were related. Magnum TA, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes, even the like the the jobbers that wore the cowboy boot, the standard cowboy boot yeah. wrestler boots. I thought all those guys were related because they were because they were from t- the Texas area. Yeah. Magnum TA, like, and then I even go back to like, and 
I, I hearken back to the, the Samoan reference. Even though some of them are related to each other and some are not, I on television the appearance was, well, if you came from the Isle of Samoa, you were all related. You know, Haku and the Islanders and, and well, the Head know, Shrinkers and, you know and all that's those still guys. Kinda, that still kind of lends itself now with so how so many of them are in the wrestling business now that... You almost like, oh, it's another one. It's another one from the from the yeah. from the family. That's what I tree. thought with Texas wrestlers. Like, like that's almost legit now. Like I thought Magnum and Dusty were related somehow. somehow yeah. You know, like I remember in the early uh, WCW days uh, in the nineties, ninety two especially, um, when Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham were a tag team, they didn't portray them as related by blood as family, but. They talked about the history that they had with their families growing up. So, like, Dustin and Barry had known each other since they were kids. And yeah. Barry had a few years on Dustin, but he was this older mentor yeah. to Dustin. But they always, like, kind of in a loose way presented them as family. And then, I, like I said, I go back to, like, cosmetically, yeah. those boots. Like, they all fucking wore those boots. So, I was like, they all got to be related yeah. somehow. Just like I always thought, it's like, family business all these guys from the island are all fucking related to yeah. each other, you know? So um, to me, that's those were the like those those were the the pairings that I I thought like oh well they could make those guys brothers because they wear the same fucking boots as yeah. silly as it may sound as a kid that's how I kind of thought right no absolutely um, I'm trying to think of if there's anyone else that like I feel like they could have made um, related to each other brothers or some kind of family pairing here um um. At one point, Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy oh, yeah. as the new rockers. Yeah. I thought, like, oh, this could be, like, Marty Jannetty's brother or Leaf Cassidy's brother. You know what I mean? Or or cousins or, you know, whatever. Like, just... I mean, yeah, like did, I said... That thought didn't last long. Yeah, but. and again, I think, it, like I said, it, it's, it, it's kind of conceived from just... You put them side by side, you kind of slap some clothes on them. I mean, you, you know, this is coming from a twin who was born with, you know, the, the penchant for anybody who has twins to... Oh, we're gonna put them in matching outfits and take pictures of them because that's cute. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that, a twin thing to do. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like yeah. you know it, that kind of is you know that lends itself to wrestling in terms of like they're the same type of size, the same body shape. You know, they're familiar. They look alike. Let's just let's just make them let's make them brothers. And it's like okay, all right, cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. This one you're probably not too familiar with, just because it's a little bit before your time. But the Koloffs. Ivan yeah, and Nikita Koloff. Yeah, tap out of that one. I don't know yeah. much about that. Um, Ivan was a part of a tag team with Crusher Khrushchev, who would later be known as Demolition Smash, Barry Darcel, uh, who would then become the Repo Man, who would then become Hole-in-One Barry Darcel. Um, the Blacktop Bully, can't forget that. Uh, we Actually, Dennis and I did a gimmick cosplay where he, um, he I, I challenged him to see how many gimmicks he knew each guy portrayed and represented. Um, you'll have to go back and listen to that one. That one was a pretty good one. But um, the Koloffs, it was Ivan and Crusher Khrushchev as a team. And then as Ivan got um, up there in age, he became more of a mouthpiece for the team. And he brought in his nephew, Nikita Koloff. And they were basically they were basically the, the they tried to portray them as the equal to the Road Warriors. Because the Road Warriors were these big, brooding, you know, just mean, you know, rip your head off type of wrestlers um, that, like, when you oppose them against Crusher Khrushchev and little old Ivan Koloff, you kind of have an idea as to who's going to come out of that, you know, at the end of the day. Whereas if you put them against Crusher and this fresh, young, you know, athletically, you know, jacked up Nikita... You can make an argument that, like, oh shit, like, they got a shot against the Road Warriors. Yeah, you know. So that family relation was um, was done as a necessity, I think, because of Ivan's time in the ring was coming to an end, and physically he couldn't um, manage, and so they they brought in Nikita, who is not Russian whatsoever yeah. in real life, um, which is kind of funny too, because if uh, I watched. Um, I think Ring of Honor did like a, a joint show with the NWA a while back, and um, it was a tag team tournament, and they had Nikita as a guest, and he got on the mic, and um, and uh, he spoke in perfect English, oh, and yeah. the guy that was doing the interview said, 
what happened to your Russian accent? It's uh, like a haha. And Nikita was good. He was quick he, to the punch. He, right he, just, he said to him, he goes, well, you know what? I, I, I lost that accent after living in the United States for over 30 years now. Like, uh, so like they he went in on it. The, the crowd like, just cut a promo. In it Russian was fun. Again. Yeah, it was funny. But um, yeah, it, the. He he had a good comeback with it. The crowd got into it. It was pretty funny. But yeah, that's the um, that's the reason behind the, the the pairing of the Koloffs. Here's a fun one. I think uh, you'll you'll really enjoy um, the Holly cousins, Hardcore Holly, oh, Molly Holly, and Crash Holly. That's an. I mean, Molly, as great as she is, like that was kind of just like, all right, we'll just throw her in there. But it's really Crash and Hardcore that make oh, that yeah. just like just that abusive relationship with 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 Hardcore. Like they're their brothers, you know, fighting in the in the in the room of you know jumping off bunk beds, but more of like an abusive like you know, the tough hard hard yeah, hard on your older brother. Kind yeah, of like when mom and dad isn't looking, like that's hardcore was the one that you know was was laying them in on the little one, picking on the the smaller one, and, and you know crashes just the dopey kind of like like what did I do? What did I? I didn't do anything. I was yeah. just you know that that was that was a good one, and that was more modern too because it was kind of like hardcore like come on what the fuck man you know like <laughs> yeah right yeah. Like, what are you doing yeah and that yeah i like that one a lot that was a good one yeah I, especially I, because they like the hardcore title like crashes up you know i if, if i remember correctly when they introduced crash it there was like this minor build-up to like super heavyweight cousin that hardcore was gonna introduce because you know and then they bring out this little fucking guy because they were doing the whole, you know, Bob felt like he was a super heavyweight. He kind of had the Napoleon complex. Yeah. He was, you know, involved in stuff with like uh, Big Show yeah. and Kane and Undertaker, and it was kind of it was it was it was comical in a yes, way. Yes, it was. And so very... then when like you like you build him up, like I'm gonna bring you know a, my cousin, my cousin or whatever. You're thinking like, oh, he's gonna be just it's, like him or maybe Colossus, even bigger than yeah. him. And then you look and it's like it's fucking this little dude. guy. Like it was just it, that was awesome. Yeah, the the humor in it, yeah. like definitely rung, you know. And then you could tell, it, and it, but it all it, it, it added that like a, a backstory to like now we know why hardcore is the way it is because he fucking was picking on someone smaller than him. You know what I mean? His whole life. Yeah. And then the fact that hardcore Holly was named that, and they were both kind of going after the hardcore title, like. But Crash was kind of like beating him to the punch. Every, you know, he was the hardcore champion all, at every which turn, and yep. hardcore Holly wasn't. You know, in theory, he's kind of like usurping and kind of topping his hardcore cousin for the hardcore yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. So that that rivalry there was fucking gold. There was a range of mo- there there was a range in terms of yeah. uh, the, the the trajectories that their story could take them being as a team but also being oppo- opposing each other and then having that family relation yeah. like even though like on the surface I looked at them and I was like yeah, they might be related but like you kind of threw the family element out the window because they had such good chemistry together. Yeah. Like, like, there was the family element there, but then you almost forgot at times that yes. there wasn't the family element with the two of them. They do bicker so much that it was just like, you know, like like two old, you know, two old ladies that have been friends forever that yeah. just, you know, kind of, you know, they, they're always, it's like oil and water. They there's There's certain things that they... They like about each yeah. other, but at the same time, they have no problem mixing it up with each other. But at the same time, even further, like if if somebody else is picking on Crash, Hardcore is the first one there to to, to step in and yeah. stick up for his little cousin. I'm you know the only I mean? one that could you know beat the shit out of Crash, yeah. not you. Yeah, yeah I'm the exactly. only one that could talk shit to him. I'm the only one that could put him down and make him feel worthless. Yeah. not you. Yeah, like yeah, don't pick on him. Like yeah. he's mine. Yeah, so I mean, in some ways, you look at it and it's like, yeah, you could believe that they're cousins, yeah. but in other ways, you almost kind of like dismiss that family yeah. element and it's yeah so i get i i totally get it here's a here's a here's one that i wasn't so sure about when it first was brought on when they first introduced it and i felt like there was potential and it had legs and they just kind of did away with it and i don't know why they did away with it cuz i thought like this would have been right up vince's alley but when they did the hornswoggle you know illegitimate son angle um yeah fuck yeah get, get, well, yeah i thought it give had give me a reaction yeah i thought it, like by this time like you know this isn't um legitimate yeah. So, no pun intended. That's 2008 you, you yeah. know that they're they're, they're casting someone for this yeah. role yeah um 
so you're kind of hoping that it's somewhat that it's going to be beneficial to whoever this person is going to be, and mm-hmm. then it's going to it's going to really put them on a trajectory to do big things in the WWE. And you know, the, the rumors were that you know Mr. Kennedy was slated for this role. And, yes. you know, with the name Kennedy, it's Vince's middle name. Yeah. Kennedy. It kind of okay, and he, he was talented enough and had a level of overness that I think um, people wanted to believe overness. that was. I mean, you could make an yeah. argument he was. Probably the most over guy in certain points yeah. of time and in the it, company. And just this was like the next phrase alone. And this was like the next level for him. Yeah. Um, whether or not that was the case, I don't know. Maybe he said it in shoot interviews. Maybe he hasn't. Don't really care. But the fact it landed on Hornswoggle's lap was, um, it almost gave a reason to like do the under the ring spots, like oh this is where the the bastard son hides and shit like that. Um, yeah, it, it, I felt like okay, he's the son now. Like, let's. It clearly wasn't the you know the payoff we wanted, but almost ending it with just announcing who he was was almost to me like the payoff in the end. Yeah, feel like you know what I mean? Because no one was gonna buy that Triple H was the kid, the the, the bastard son. Because yeah. I know they were kind of teasing that. And I'm like, well, you know, speaking of family, I mean that one seems a little too far fetched. Oh yeah. So when they when they did it as Hornswoggle, I felt like that this wasn't their first choice, but they were just gonna end this angle by getting a laugh over at Vince McMahon's expense. And they weren't gonna do anything with it. And then then they kinda kept going with it where he's trying to treat Hornswoggle like his son, kinda introduce him into the McMahon family. And those actually kinda became funny little bits. And then at the end of it, they kind of find you find out that Hornswoggle's not his son, and it was all a ruse by Finley, which I thought was fucking stupid. Because like, fin- what, what's Finley got to gain? Yeah, like, yeah, it's like he's only, he's Finley's son, which I thought was silly because I was like, they were buds, so I thought it was kind of silly. Like, we know he's a, a little person; we don't have to imply he's a child. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, he's got a beard, for Christ's sakes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like they actually. Uh, they went that route to even further break from the McMahon family and further end the debacle that was the bastard son. And again, he was always, he was actually called the little bastard before. Yeah. So it actually almost made sense. Like, almost quote-unquote made sense. Air yeah. quotes there. Like, oh, he's the little bastard. Well, now we know why he's the little bastard. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But when they ended it to kind of... It was basically Vince McMahon handing off the Hornswoggle storyline to JBL to then make a, into a WrestleMania match. So... Cleverly done, but at the same time, like, all right, let's just let's, let's put a bow on let's this put and this let's to end bed. it. Yeah, let's put this to bed. So yeah. I, for that, I, honest, I can't blame him. But it was I honestly silly. thought it was going to, at that time, I thought it was going to lead um, to, uh, you know, it being revealed that Stephanie and Shane set this whole thing up to try and take control over the company. Um, so I thought that it was good, that it wasn't Finley behind this the whole time. It was Stephanie and Shane because they yeah. had kind of had an absence um, from the company at the time, and uh, I thought for sure that we were going to uh, we we're going to see like a takeover, I guess, like, once again with like Stephanie and Shane being the ones behind Hornswoggle, uh, faking that he's the kid, you know, trying yeah. to like make Vince's life a living hell. But yeah. when they kind of like abruptly ended, it's like, oh, well, Finley was behind this, but why was Finley behind Yeah, they never really dug into that. They never into that. dug into that. Like, and, I, and how did JBL know that Finley and, and Hornswoggle were in cahoots to make this yeah. up with Vince? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just was... It was some loose holes, but I think, like, they, I think they were just trying to get themselves through it and end it, and like I said, I, it was a letdown from where you thought it was initially going to go from the very beginning, because like I said, the, the prevailing thought I think everyone had, like I'm sure you did, was Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. And oh, then, yeah. You know, everyone's fantasy booking a year down the line, and they're like, oh my god, Mr. Kennedy, Triple H, WrestleMania, like, you know, at that time, Kennedy was a huge star. Just imagine where he'll be a year from now, you know, riding that wave and just... One turn after the other, and, you know, so many things happened, you know, good and bad, that just, it wasn't meant to be, and it just kind of, like you said, it brought us, it brought itself to an end at WrestleMania 24 with, you know, JBL and all his resources, I guess you could argue, is maybe what, maybe he hired a firm, a background check firm to... To, yeah, to, to dig into true, yeah. it maybe that you could you know he's he's well to do he could he could do yeah, that i can. guess it doesn't have to necessarily be explained but at the same time like you said it was just like all right let's just get out of this as, as best we can so and you know it wasn't the worst thing they've done so yeah i'm saving the big guns for last we got a few more left here um 
Ric Flair and his association with the Anderson family. Uh, on television, they revealed that they were cousins. And that's how you would get the connection of Rick tagging with the Andersons at times and then eventually leading to the Four Horsemen. Um, and then eventually, years down the line, when they toyed with the idea of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson becoming enemies, even though it was brief... They brought that family relation up, that they were cousins, and they had a long history together in their careers as horsemen, as, you know, uh, family members. Um, give me your thoughts on the, um, the the family relation between Ric Flair and the Andersons. Well, well, well before my time, obviously, and probably even a little bit before your time. A little, um, yeah. I, I gather it to be, especially at that time, Flair was still on the rise, and it was the Andersons, at least in the wrestling universe, were... So it was a reputable name at that time. It was Ole and Gene, and putting Rick with them, you know, at least to explain an association and matches. I think it helped Rick a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- so I think in the early beginnings of it, it helped. Ex- you know, it helped Rick. I think that was what helped. You know, helped get him over. Yeah. Along the way, and then once Arn kind of entered the fray, that was that was the, that was the idea. Oh, we'll make him the next Anderson. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think it was just kind of like uh, a catch-all to kind of explain associating people together that worked well together, and I think it worked out pretty well because you know it worked so well you didn't even really have to explain it anymore because I didn't even know that that was a thing until probably like what mid late probably like late nineties like oh they were that's how they introduced Arn and Rick and they were cousins and it wasn't a dominant part of their association and probably much so because the Four Horsemen became a the, the 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 thing everyone talked about but yeah um yeah just again another mechanism to 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 put the rub if you will on someone by explaining adding credibility to them without having to ever have wrestled at that point and it was also one of those things too where like you 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 found out later that like oh this is how they got together but they they didn't cram their family association down your throat either. Like, yeah, it was like it was it was brought up at points when it needed to be brought up. You associated Ric Flair and Arn Anderson together as members of the Horsemen yeah. more than you did as as, yeah. as, as cousins. You know, yeah. and I think that I think that was a, a very subtle but nice touch to the on screen presentation of the two of them together. Yeah, absolutely, I would agree with that. I don't I don't think it needed to be embellished on even more. You know, um, but it's funny because you know they they had their rivalry. Their short-lived rivalry in 1995. I don't recall that being any part of that either. Just yeah. their closeness was what made the rivalry. They didn't have to mention like we're cousins. Yeah, I think Heenan brought it up once in comedy. Yeah, but at that, was like, but other than that, it was more about their relationship together as yeah. horsemen. Yeah. Um, here's one that's probably over the top and over embellished to a point where like you know it's not real, but it's it's so over the top that like you just kind of go along with it. Was the Dudley Boys. Bubba and Devon, the half brothers from yeah. Dudleyville. Where the fuck is Dudleyville, and how many how many Dudleys are there out there? I mean, at one point in the original ECW, there was Bubba Dudley, Devon Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, Spike Dudley, Dances with Dudley, which was like a Native American version of Dudley. Then you had like all kinds of different uh, sign guy Dudley. Yeah. I mean, I think so it was different- just like it was a spoof for the the smart audience that knew that not all these families they grew up watching were really families. Yeah, you know the ones we're talking about now. They were kind of being smartened up to knowing years later, like, nah, like, you know, Lance Von Erich wasn't a Von Erich. Yeah. Or, you know, the Andersons aren't cousins, or even Andersons with Ric Flair, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it was just kind of like capitalizing on that newfound knowledge and just spoofing it. Like, even, you know, the backstory of the Dudley family was that Daddy Dudley was a wrestler in the old days, and he went territory to territory and shacked up and yeah. <laughs> spread his seed everywhere he yeah. went. And that's how you got a Baba, a Devon, a Dances with Dudley's Spike, etc. And like... So they kind of used the universe we immerse ourselves in to satirically explain something that we all know isn't even real, anyways. Yeah. And again, it was just like a, it was like a it was like a rib inside of a rib. Yep. In that way, so it was funny. I liked it. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. And what about um, Edging? We brought him up earlier. Edging Christian. That was one that like they were introduced as brothers, and then eventually over time, they 
eventually would wouldn't really acknowledge them as brothers, but more as best friends. Yeah, and that was believable. You yeah, know, um, that they were brothers. They kind of you know they similar looks. Yeah, Edge Edge was Edge came in first, and then Christian came in after, and was immediately paired with Edge. Yeah. So again, this again the similar looks that hair. But they also look. had history together that a lot of smart fans knew about because they grew up in the wrestling scene yeah, in Canada. Yeah, exactly. So it all it, it very much made sense. Um, Sexton Hardcastle and Christian Cage, like yeah. they were, they were a big thing in the in the Canadian indie scene. Yeah. So like when you when they brought them in, it was like, are they brothers? Like they, they used to tag together in fucking yeah, Winnipeg was, in the middle of an ice storm, you know? Yeah, like, it was believable, but you didn't you didn't feel like you um, were shortchanged if it wasn't true because they had an association. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like you said, they didn't. It wasn't while they were a tag team, and actually my probably. My favorite tag team of all time, one mm-hmm. or two. Um, they, it didn't like, it didn't embody who they were. They weren't brothers. Yeah. Either. In fact, they they kind of became what I think you see like Hawkins and Ryder are now as like, like best friends, best friends yeah. that are lifelong wrestling fans yeah. that are here that spend and, more time with the, each other than their own yeah, siblings. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of how. While they never said they weren't brothers, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were just they focused more on what bonded them more than so what linked them if that okay. makes it's like gen- yeah, yeah, what, yeah what genetically linked them what they're how they came together isn't how like how they started together wasn't the point it was why they stayed together yeah the emotion the emotional aspect of yeah. it as opposed to the the the, the family yeah and ties, even today yeah. like you, we watch the edge and christian show on the wwe network you know they have their podcast i know edge just left it but just in general like they they stay relevant as a pair together having yeah. not teamed together in almost 20 years well, not 20. They probably wrestled a little bit towards the end with each other as a tag team and sparing attractions. I think before, I think before Edge's retirement. Yeah, but in general, like, you know, they, they, I think people relate to them so well because, you know, you all have your brothers and, and, and you know, especially with the bond of wrestling that, like, you and I share, like, that's kind of like, that's, that's relatable. You yeah. know what I mean? And there is that fanboy mentality, especially when you watch their, their show on the network. That's just, that's, that hangs with you. That sticks with you. And it's absolutely good stuff. So, yeah. and you, and you, and they are, they're like peanut butter and jelly. Like their chemistry is it's unparalleled. Yeah. And you, and when you look at them because of their, you know, and you, you see the presentation and because of their chemistry, you think like, damn, they could be brothers. Yeah. You they know get I mean? each other's humor. Yeah. They play off each other. Yeah. Like so brilliantly. One finishes the other one sentence. Yeah. yeah they're like, in the same, they're, they were born, they were, they grew up together. They're in the same generation, you know, as are people who watch them that are probably their age as well. Like yeah. it just all like, they might as well be brothers. They're, you know, they might as well be. <laughs> yeah. Last one. The one that probably is has been the most committed in terms of um, continuity within the story of their family relationship. And I'm talking about Undertaker and Kane. They have, even up until this day, they have still committed yeah. to the two of them being paired as brothers on TV. It's not like with, like you said, Edge and Christian or the Dudleys, where it's morphed and eventually they're best. No. Undertaker and Kane have still been even yeah. like last year that when they match appeared, Crown it was Jewel. their brothers to aid each yeah. other, and yeah, um, the story of of you know how it became to be and how they've had this love hate relationship, you know, over the years they have feuded with each other more times and have still kept that familial bond as brothers yeah. as characters than any other pairing i've ever seen yeah. on, on in wrestling history yeah i think this is this is uh they've committed I, the most to this yeah it was done i think in the beginning to kind of add that personal touch to the to a relatively unpersonable character in the undertaker um like this guy's got parents. This guy had a brother. Like you know, there was nothing about the Undertaker that was modern. You know, no. the guy didn't. You didn't. You never saw. He wasn't walking down the street. You know, picking up cigarettes or whatever. You're pumping gas. He's the Undertaker. He's a very larger than life creature. So when they added this, this storyline, it really put a personal touch to him. Like when they revealed that, according to Paul Bear, the Undertaker is the one who started the fire at the family's funeral home business. Like, you know, there was a promo afterward, and it killed The Undertaker's mother and father and his brother. And The Undertaker is regretfully talking about it and how awful it was. And he's recounting his story and how it's not exactly the way Paul Bearer tells it where he start killed the killed his family, yeah. but it was more of an accident. Yeah. And, you know, it added some emotion there. And then you find out that Kane's alive. And, you know, it's not something that, like, I didn't hang on every word of it, like, 
so when I found out Kane is alive, like he's here, he's breathing like everyone in this room. Yeah. Like that's then you're like Kane's coming out at some point. I don't know when, yeah. but they, they they dragged it out for a good long while. Um, but they didn't overdo it, which no, was good. They, yeah, exactly. They, they they got you distracted enough, like when Undertaker was doing that stuff with Shawn Michaels. That yeah. like it, Kane was lurking in the background, but it wasn't like overdone to the point where like, all right, when's this fucking guy yeah, gonna show up? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it, like you weren't like waiting and waiting to the point where like you were gonna be so disappointed when it finally right. happened. Yeah. Like it, it was done at the right time, the way they like planned it. I mean, if they even strategically planned it out that way, yeah. like it was just. I thought the, the the way it was done and how they introduced Kane was yeah, just... and then just like he comes out and he's like, you know, he's got the mask and he's the way he was dressed up with the costume, like it's um, it's like the Undertaker, but it's like not with like red. Him. It's evil. Yeah, you know the devil. Yep. You know he's demonic. Yeah. And I know at least in that WWE Untold. I don't know if you saw that. I on did the see network. that. Yeah, that was pretty probably good. the best one they did. I, he, I agree. Had, yeah. You know, Kane had mentioned that in the original costumes, he had he was wearing a cape. Oh, I saw. Would, I've seen pictures. And of that Kane, before, yeah. yeah, I saw that too. And Kane was like, "Why would he wear a cape?" And apparently, the rationalization he was given by Vince McMahon was, you know, he uh, he his his uh, emotions and his trauma suppressed his his feeling so strong that he overcompensated his lack of confidence in himself based on his dis- disfigurement by donning a superhero cape. Yeah. And I was like, even having watched this maybe not a month ago, I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like from a level that like, you know, we talk about movies like the Joker. I know we talked about that yesterday and other things like that. Like those psychological aspects of what manifests a character is so like no one thinks about that stuff, but it's also assumed. It just it just happens. You just you gather those feelings. Yeah. And I think that was so well done with the birth of Kane as a character on television and how he was like he was like Bane. He like reminded me of Bane. Yeah. Like he was just like The Undertaker's gotten his ass kicked before and he, he But he's fearless. not gotten his ass kicked away. Kane yeah, kicked his ass. Yeah. yeah, and like just the Undertaker has faced evil and stared it down and did it with a fearless, you know, approach. Yeah. But the fact that he saw Kane and he was like so shocked, like Kind of did the whole tilt in the head look. Like, is that you? Yeah. Just looking in his eyes. And I think they even said it in that piece. Like, the eyes told the story the whole time of, like, oh, like, and again, I think they might even said the bond of brotherhood was 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 told right there with not having a word being said. Just them looking at each other the way they did with their eyes makes you go, like, fuck, those guys are brothers. <laughs> like, it'd be like if I hadn't seen you in 20 years. Yeah. Like, we would look at each other and we... Is that would, you? We, but at the same time... Like, we would know. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd we would like, know, but you wouldn't know. Like, yeah, yeah, you'd be like, oh, my God, that is. Like, that is, is wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look and at I, you, and yeah. They, they did, like, come on, why don't those guys win Oscars? I don't know. But, like, yeah. that's, that, was, that was great stuff. And, again, it led to Kane's dominance over him and really being the first, the biggest threat The Undertaker had ever at that time. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Their match at WrestleMania that year. And then just, I mean, keep. The rest is history. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they went at it so many times. Being a you know, team after that, teaming too. and then not teaming, and you know, it was it was as mu- as much as people and I've heard this said before. As much as people would complain about the amount of times Undertaker and Kane had you know gone through the love hate that they had with each other as characters, it made sense based on the formation of the story and how the story began right. like, and where the beginnings of those characters came from. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Kane turned on Undertaker at one point and then six months later they were teaming together. And then at one point, you know, they they went their separate ways and then they came back and then they teamed together, but then they split up again. And it was just like, it all made sense because of the anarchy and the chaos that embodied the history of their characters together and their story in the early beginnings before they came into wrestling. Right, so right, right. It was it it to me like as chaotic as it sounds, it all makes sense. Like all like their 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 love hate that they have for each other. Yeah. But they always go back to that they're brothers and that's yeah. what I feel like they really commit and have Absolutely. committed to their association as brothers. It's never changed. Yeah. And it's- even to the point where like when William Moody Paul Bearer passed away in 2013. They 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 brought Kane out uh, to do a special tribute, and they turned 
Moody's passing into part of the buildup for the Undertaker CM Punk storyline. Yeah. Like they didn't break kayfabe, yeah. you know. Yeah. In that sense, as brothers, but, yeah, exactly. You know? and, you, and, you, and you just keep saying the word brothers. Like this, the, that's the that is the common thread. You know, the, if Undertaker were to wrestle a match tomorrow and Kane showed up. Before he even gets in the ring, you know why he's there. Yes, because he's brothers. Yeah. Whether he loves the fact that he, whether he loves his brother or whether he hates him at the They're moment, still brothers. they are connected. His motivations for walking out there are start with being a brother. Yeah, is he gonna yeah. attack him because he hates his brother so much, or is he doesn't Help love him, him because yeah. he's because it's his brother? Yeah. Like either one is starts with brother. Yeah, and I think that is just like it's unspoken. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if they did something and they didn't even touch afterwards, they could look at each other and be like, and without saying a word, you'd be like, they connected right there in front yeah. of you. And you'd be like, thanks. That's what's going through your mind. Like, thanks, bro. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Like, I'm here. Or like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, it. it's so obvious. It doesn't have to be said. It doesn't have to be illustrated or described or delved into. It's just, it's plain as day. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we can, we can stress enough. Um, you know, the, 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 the importance of their, their roles together with each other um, it, throughout the course of wrestling history and how, like I said, committed they are yeah. to being brother characters on television. I don't think, uh, I, I don't think we can follow that. I think, no, not at all. I, I think, I think we've, uh, I think we've uh, reached the gamut yeah, when it comes sure. to that. Um, thank you all so very much for, uh, for, for, for joining me for this, uh, this, this pro wrestling kayfabe family reunion. We climbed enough family trees in the world of professional wrestling history that I think, uh, I think it's about time we climb back down and, uh, and, and well, we got to do an elbow drop out of the tree. That's true. That's that is true. Yeah, in, in this family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is true. Very, <laughs> very true. Um, hope you guys all have a wonderful and uh, happy holiday uh, with your loved ones. Eat lots of turkey, watch football, fall asleep, and then do it all over again. And uh, next week we're gonna bring you another installment of our blind date diaries. As I'm gonna, I'm gonna this weekend. Hopefully, I'm gonna go back and watch for the very first time from start to finish. I'm going to watch. ECW's dismem- December to Dismember from 2006. The only thing I've ever watched is the the, the chamber match from that pay-per-view. I'm going to watch the entire show, and I'm going to give you guys my blind date review. I'm going to tell you whether this was a good blind date or it was a bad blind date. And most people I've spoken to when it comes to this show could probably say that this was probably the worst pay-per-view in the history of professional wrestling. From fi- from a financial standpoint, I hear it is. I think they only did like 90,000 pay-per-view Some buy shit, rates. Yeah. Something something extremely low like that, no pun intended. So for the first time, I'm going to watch that, and then I'm going to recap it for you all from start to finish, every single match, every single segment, and you're probably going to find out that this was not my favorite blind date of all time. And with that being said... I think it's about that time we put this show down for the three count. Justin, thank you for uh, for, for for being a part of this and uh, lending your uh, your your opinion and expertise on the kayfabe world of pro wrestling families. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here as always. And uh, with that being said, we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>